So when we're finished in this room today, if you haven't looked around in the last week or two, you need to look around again today. Every time I walk out, it's changing. It's different. Uh, You know, we moved in. I've been telling the staff these last four weeks, we're just practicing. We're just practicing. Today's the official move-in date. We knew we needed four or five weeks to move in, but when we had that opportunity to slip in on Good Friday, how do you pass that up? So if you haven't seen it lately, make sure you check some things out today. To whom much is given, much is required. That's right. That's a heavy thought because a lot has been given. And I lately find myself rehearsing a lot of thoughts in my head that go like this, don't mess this up. Don't blow this. We owe so much to God. We owe so much to so many good and faithful people that have come before us. And to whom much is given, much is required. I'll never forget how nervous I was on Good Friday, that, that first day we were coming in here, and I knew I was just going to sit up there in the top. I wasn't even going to be on the platform, but I've never been so nervous about a church service all day like that ever before. And when me and Shannon got home that night, I just began to ugly cry. I'd kind of been holding it in for a while, and and I just remember saying to her over and over and over again, I don't know why God's been so good to us. I don't know why God's... I don't know why he's been so good to us. And when I look around at all this, and I think about how good God has been to us... I keep telling myself, man, we got to do more. We got to press harder. Can't let up now. Got to keep creating, got to keep dreaming, got to keep pushing, got to keep running, got to keep reaching more people with the gospel for Jesus. I've got the Rocky Four soundtrack on repeat in my head right now, you know, and I just know we got to go the distance. One step, one punch, one round at a time. And then a a friend recently told me about when he was part of a church that relocated and what a big deal that was. And and he said when they finally got there to that new place, it was like they just kind of quit. They just kind of said, okay, well, this is it. We made it. We arrived. And they just started coasting. And that kind of stuff haunts me. And so I just just keep telling myself we got to keep climbing. we got to keep pushing. And, and if we don't, if we start coasting, then, then I think that's on me. And I don't know how many times just since we've been here, I've been hit with a tinge of anxiety. Anybody have a little of that from time to time, that little thought in your head that I'm, I'm, I'm going to blow this, right? You feel that pressure in life? You know, we might not say it out loud, but I think a lot of times as Christians, we kind of walk around with this tension in us that just says, I really don't want to make God unhappy. I really don't want to displease God. I really don't want to disappoint God. I really don't want to, you know, mess up what God's doing and derail God's plans, you know, because as God's people, we want to please him. Amen? 
We want to honor him. We, we, we want to put a smile on God's face. We want God to delight over us. We want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So today I'm going, let's go, Grace Life. We want to glorify God. We want to please God. We want to make God smile, don't we? Right? After all, Paul, Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he says, Be living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, pleasing to God, which is our true worship. God says in Romans 12, You're not even really worshiping me unless you're a living sacrifice. If, if you're not all in, it's not even true worship. Total surrender to God. That's what a living sacrifice is. A sacrifice gives everything. He's not asking us to die for him. He's inviting us to live for him. 24-7 we should be serving him. Elsewhere Paul says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it all for the glory of God. And so as I thought about what to say to you all today on this historic day, I thought, you know, we need to be challenged today to put our all on the altar. We need to be challenged today to be living sacrifices to God. That going forward, we would give him even more of our time, even more of our talent, even more of our treasure than we ever have in the past. That this is no time to coast. We cannot fumble this away with half-hearted commitments and lukewarm efforts. And this is the conversation that I've been rehearsing in my head to have with you all. And then I started thinking, can we really sustain that kind of fervor? Can, can we really sustain that over the long haul? I know that God has gifted me a little bit to be somewhat inspirational, somewhat motivational, but is there enough in my inspiration reservoir to sustain this kind of level of commitment and wholeheartedness for the next five years? I'm about to be 48, y'all. I know some of y'all think that's young, but I got a lot of miles on me. Do I have what it takes inside of me to sustain this for the next five years or 10 years or 20 years? Is there enough in me that I can provide to you, inspire you, motivate you so that we not only just sustain this, but also so that it goes to the next level with making a difference in this world for Jesus? And I want to answer that question for you today with a resounding no. I do not have what it takes to do that. I cannot do it. I don't have what it takes to inspire you, to encourage you, to give your entire self, not just for a moment, but for the next year or 10 
until Jesus comes. That's above my pay grade. We can gather in this locker room every single Sunday morning and and we can rev each other up and yell at each other and slap each other upside the helmet and say, come on, let's get out there and do it. Now more than ever. Let's, let's work harder. Let's do more. Let's try more. Let's put a smile on God's face. I can try to give you that pep talk every single Sunday. But I'm telling you, that's eventually going to run out. We will hit the wall if our focus stays on what we need to do to make God happy. We're going to hit the wall. The quest to put a smile on God's face by accomplishing great things for His glory, that quest seems noble, but it's futile. It's short-lived. It will be short-lived because if we are running out of here every week to work ourselves silly to change the world so that we can be pleasing to God or so that we can be pleasing to anybody else, then here's what we're doing. We're keeping the focus on us and our work instead of on Jesus and his work. We will be keeping the focus on what we're doing instead of what he's already done at the cross. And his ongoing work, his work in us and through us. Last Sunday I was at Nathan and Rayleigh's wedding and it was a beautiful wedding. Pastor Bryant did a phenomenal job officiating that wedding. And Nathan and Rayleigh wrote their vows and it was Spot on, perfect, just phenomenal. And then at one point in the wedding, Nathan's uncle Ricky stepped forward to offer a prayer. Ricky's a minister of the gospel. He's a a good friend of mine. I came to know him after Jenny's husband David passed away with cancer. And we walked as a church family with Jenny and David through that, and then God brought Ricky to Jenny, and Ricky and I became friends, and I got to perform their wedding, and when Ricky and Jenny had to bury their little baby boy, I preached that funeral for that precious baby. So needless to say, Ricky and Jenny are really special to me as they are to many of you. And so in that wedding last Saturday, when Ricky stepped forward to offer a prayer, I I leaned in because I didn't want to miss a word of what he had to say. And as Ricky stood there praying in that wedding last week, somewhere in the middle of his prayer, he prayed this, God, help us to not live for your smile, but to live from your smile. And when he said that, it shook me to my bones. Because that's what I needed to hear. My heart cried out, yes! That's the course correction that I needed. And that's the course correction that I think I need to 
bring here in this room with all of you today. Make no mistake about this. Yes, we want to run out of this room and we want to get more done for God's glory. We want to get more done for God's kingdom than we have ever done before. But we must not do any of that to try to provoke a smile onto the face of God. You say, I don't, I don't understand, Pastor, what you're saying. Listen, we will give ourselves to him as living sacrifices, but not to make him smile at us, but because he already is smiling at us. We will run out of this place with all of our might and run the race that God has put before us, but we will not run for God's smile. We will run from God already smiling on us. We will give more of our time and we will give more of our talent and we will give more of our treasure to him, not to earn his favor, but because he has already poured all of it out on us. Yes, Romans 12 says, to give yourself as a living sacrifice but it says something before it says that. Romans 12.1 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, do you hear that? In view of the mercies of God, in other words, as you stand here looking at the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Paul says, brothers and sisters, look at how good God has been. Look at his mercy. Look at his favor. And keep looking at that. And the reservoir of the power of the gospel will never leave you lacking for inspiration. Never leave you lacking for motivation. We've already been given the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God. That's what Romans chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 are all about. Romans 1 through 11 is you are dirty, rotten, stinking, filthy sinners. Dead in your sin and enemies to God, deserving of death and hell. But God, being rich in mercy, even while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and he gave his life for us. And now you are no longer enemies to God, but you are sons and daughters of God, adopted and blessed with every spiritual blessing and seated in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. Grace, life, God is already smiling on, at, on us, not because of anything we've done over these nearly 80 years. Not because of anything that's happened over the last handful of years. We are living in the smile of, the mercy of, the grace of, the favor of God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ Jesus has done on our behalf. And so today, God sees the righteousness of Jesus that has been given to us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, Christ alone, and he smiles. We didn't earn that righteousness, and we cannot unearn that righteousness. You know what that means, Grace Life? That means from now 
until we see him face to face. Because of Jesus, God isn't going to stop smiling at us. He's not going to stop loving us. This doesn't mean he won't correct. This doesn't mean he won't discipline. But even then, perhaps especially then, he is loving us. Jesus gave his life for us and he said, it is finished. Nothing we can do will cause God to love us any more than he already does. Pastor Johnny didn't get loved by God more because of what Pastor Johnny's done over the last few years. Pastor Johnny led us from the smile of God, not for the smile of God. Our identity, grace life, our worth, our value does not hinge on this place or what happens here. Our identity, our worth, and our value is already fixed. It's settled because Jesus said it's done. It's finished. God looks at us and he sees the perfection of his son Jesus. That's why there's no boasting here in any of us. Let me read Romans 12, 1 again and see if you get it now. Because some of you may be going, wait, are you saying we're not to give him our everything? No, I'm saying we are. I'm just saying our motivation's got to be right. Listen, Paul says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. A holy and pleasing sacrifice to God. That's what we are. In the Old Testament, when you brought a sacrifice to God, you wouldn't bring him the runt of the litter. You would bring God the best. You would bring God, not an animal that was sick, not an animal that was dying. You would bring God the best. God always gets the trophy of the litter to be the sacrifice. And God says, you're, you're to be a living sacrifice. And you may be saying, but I'm not a trophy. I'm far from that. I'm far from the best. If you're in Christ, you're a trophy. If you're in Christ, you're the best. Because it's not I now, but Christ in me. Remember God's mercy, right? He's made you his trophy. He set his favor on you. He is no longer because of Jesus treating me as I deserve to be treated. He's now treating me as Jesus deserves to be treated. And if you're in Christ today, the same is true for you. He's not treating you as you deserve. He's treating you as Christ deserves. In a million years, you could not make yourself holy. In a million years, you could not make yourself pleasing to God. But Jesus did it for you. And the Bible says now there's no separation between you and God. There's no condemnation from God to you. Through Jesus, God has made you his trophy. He sees no sin. He sees no spot. Are you letting that sink in? 
He sees no blemish. By the mercy of God, you are his trophy of grace. You are his prized possession. We collectively, as a local church family called Grace Life, we are his trophies of grace. And Paul is saying in Romans 12, never forget who you are and never forget how you got that way. It is the mercy of God. Now you give him all you have as a living sacrifice in view of his mercy. Not because you got to, but because you get to. You are his trophy. And here's the thing about trophies. They're more than a reward. They're a reflection. Trophies reflect the character and the commitment of the one who holds up the trophy. In Grace Life, we are God's trophy. Trophies of his grace, and he wants to lift us up in this world, not so that the world sees the trophy, us, but so that the world sees the reflection of the commitment and the character of the one who's holding up that trophy, and his name is Jesus. We don't want the world to admire the trophy. We don't want the world to admire this place. We want the world to admire the one they see in the reflection of this place. We want the world to admire the one they see in the reflection of these people that gather here. So I am begging you today, Grace Life, with all of the mercies of God in view from the cross All the way to this campus, I am begging you in view of the mercy of God, let's offer ourselves this day as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable, pleasing to God. Let's live from his smile, not for it. If we'll do that, the world will see Jesus in us. And that's why we bought this place. And that's why we built this place. Because we just want the world to see Jesus in us. Good Friday night, I cried and told Shannon, I don't know why. God has been so good to us. Now I remember why he's been so good. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with him. He's been good because he is good. That's who he is. And we just sang the words, there is no shadow of turning with him. He will not be less good tomorrow than he is today. And he's not less good today than he was when he brought the children of Israel into the promised land. He's always been good. He is good now. He always will be good. He never will change. And because of his goodness, because of his mercy, because he is smiling on us already, Grace Life, I will say to you today, let's go. He said when the gospel is preached to all the nations, then the end will come. 
And in light of all of God's mercy, I will close today by telling you, let's get that done and go home. Let's pray. God, we bow our hearts before you today. And Jesus, our only, our only boast is in you. We were dead. We were lost. We were without hope. But you loved us. We didn't deserve that. We were your enemies and you loved us. And if you hadn't loved us, we would have never gone looking for you. But you came looking for us. You paid for our sin at the cross. And you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And Jesus, we are grateful for all that you've given us. This beautiful place. We thank you for that. We thank you, thank you, thank you for that. But we want to be crystal clear today, God, we don't need it. You're all we need. You're all we need. You're our life. You're our everything. We want all of this to just reflect who you are. All of this belongs to you, God. We don't have to dedicate it to you. How goofy. It's already yours. All of this belongs to you, God. We don't have this building. We don't have this property. The earth is the Lord's and everything that is in it. We don't have any of this. Here's what we have. We have Christ. Jesus, we have you. That's all we need. I pray it will always be all we want. Grace Life, I want to invite you to stand. And I want us to worship the Lord. In view of all of his mercy, we deserve death, we deserve hell, but he came to save us. Nobody in here found Jesus. Jesus found you. And in view of all of that mercy, let's give him all that we are and all that we have. He's enough, amen? Grace Life, are you okay with the truth today that this is not our place? Are you okay with the truth today that these 72 acres don't belong to us? We don't have this, but we have Jesus. It's easy to clap standing in this room when you say that. 
What if tomorrow we're meeting under a bridge? Will we still say, Jesus, you're more than enough? He is, isn't he? You believe that? Let's tell him. Come on, church. Let's worship.